Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on Jam Session. Podcast sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 312, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, and we're going to dazzle and entertain you, I would imagine, here as we record this on the Thursday that many of you will listen to on Friday, getting ready for the Cowboys to go to the frozen tundra of Green Bay, the Lambeau Field, the epic showdown perhaps on Sunday but before we get into that greening law maybe this will be the weekend that you get in a car accident and you don't know what to do maybe you're injured on the premises of a business you feel like you've suffered malpractice somewhere that's why greening law is around they're a personal injury law firm you guys know I've been working with them it's funny because I actually have a call with Robert Greening this afternoon is that right the big man himself I do indeed yes my case is at a point where we will start moving forward with all of this so I'm kind of curious to see and it's really interesting because I told him it's like I have I have no concept of how this works and so they're jumping on the phone with me this afternoon to go through some things and what would be next and how this kind of plays out from the legal standpoint and all that now, that's what they do. They handle all that stuff behind the scenes for you. And they've been fantastic for me. I mean, I've told you guys they set up appointments for me. And then I get a call from a doctor who's like, yeah, your lawyer called. We need to get you in. I mean, it's it's they just make what can be a painful physically and mentally process. They they really take care of that. And they are your fierce legal competitor against these insurance companies. And, you know, that's why we've said if you have any kind of accident, whether it's in a, in a car accident or at a residence or business or any of that, give them a call because who doesn't want to go through a complicated kind of tedious process like this without somebody's helping hand, without somebody shining a flashlight and say, hey, here's the path to follow. Hey, here's some questions you didn't even know you were supposed to ask that need to be asked. Hey, here's some doc, here's some help. Here's some therapy. Here's everything you need so that you can get good and healthy back again while we work this out for you. Dude, who doesn't want that? So give them a call, pick up the phone. The consultation's free. Mm. Say, here's my situation, here's my details, what do you think? And my God, I hope that they bring you on as a client. Yeah, that's the way that it is. That that consultation being free, because if you feel like you've got a case, just give them a call. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. 
So the Cowboys headed to Green Bay. It is the big national afternoon game on Fox on Sunday, the 325 kick. And this is a really interesting matchup because we talked briefly about it on the last episode. This is not the the Green Bay Packers that we have come to know. This is not the 13 and 4 Packers team from last year or one of those Packers teams that has been a game away from the Super Bowl the last couple of years. This is a hurt, banged up, really poor version of what Green Bay has been. And and Aaron Rodgers is not what he once was. Now there's a lot of reasons for that, but Man, this is a a a blob Packers team. No, nah, they're a poop show, bro. Uh, that's kind of what they are. Um, and it's a game that the Cowboys should win. I mean, let's just call it what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about Green Bay's offense the other day. The last five weeks when they've been losing, 22, 10, 21, 17, and 9. Hard to believe that they're going to score you know much more than that against Dallas, the way the Cowboys' defense has been playing, especially with a week off. And they've given up more than 20 in every game, more than 23 in every game except the last one against Detroit. Um, it's a game where Dallas needs to start fast, let their defense and special teams handle things, and just slowly suffocate the life out of uh, out of Green Bay because they're there to be had. They're not a good team. They've lost five in a row. Um, there's no need to give them any hope. And check this out, Matt. I think this is this is also key. Not only have they lost five in a row, They've lost to Washington, to Detroit, to the Jets. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I still don't believe in the Jets yet. They've lost to the Giants. I still don't believe in the Giants yet. So, what I'm, I mean, they beat the Giants. But what I'm saying is they've lost to some bad teams. They have or lost team, to some bad teams, yeah. Or teams that are shady at best. Yeah, and, and again, the Lions have the worst defense in the NFL, and they managed nine points against them a week ago. And this is a team that's banged up. They, they will not have Romeo Dobbs, who is there. He's out with a high ankle sprain. He leads as far as their receivers go. And I mentioned this the other day. Their two leading receivers are their tight end and their running back, Aaron Jones, as far as receptions. The guy who has the most receptions as a wide receiver is Romeo Dobbs. He will not be playing. He is 31 catches, which is third on the team. They're also missing their most productive. I mean, by far their best defensive player has been Rashawn Gary, he tore his ACL last week. You're talking about a guy who led the Packers in sacks, pressures, quarterback hits, and tackles for a loss and was third in the NFL in pressures. He's out for the rest of the year. Next up, of course, for them is Eric Stokes, who's one of their starting cornerbacks. They do not believe he's going to play on Sunday. They had 17 players listed on the injury report for practice on Wednesday. They are extremely banged up. And this is a team that just, one, they weren't good when they had these guys. And <laughs> and now the fact that you're missing one of those targets that Aaron Rodgers is trying to get the ball to, and by far your best defensive player, does not bode well for a team that is sailing in here on a five-game losing streak. No, nah, man, and that's why you got to take care of business. And that's why this is the kind of game where you can't give them anything, like no turnovers. You know, no 15-yard muff, uh, what do you call it, shanked punts. None of that. Just if you make them work for everything that they get, the way that they're situated right now, they won't have any success for you. See, the other thing is, you know, Dallas' strength is defense. So if your defense plays well, Aaron Rodgers is already pissy these days because he doesn't like this offense. It doesn't matter if it's the same offense. He doesn't like it. He ain't got no confidence in it. So what you have to do is keep him like that. 
Um, and, you know, if you do that, things should work out for you. They don't have anybody who scares you at receiver, man. Have you looked at these receivers, bro? Yep. Uh, Alan Lazard is probably is like their main guy who leads the team in, in receiving, and, and nobody gives a crap about him. No. I mean, but they, you know, the running backs, I mean, dude, they've got nothing, bro. Yeah, and, and this, I mean, this is one of those, th- these teams are similar in the fact that they both want to run the football. I mean, Aaron Jones is solid. He's probably their best offensive player. I mean, it, it's, Aaron Rodgers obviously is, but man, they have just really, really struggled with this group of receivers this year. The flip side of this, though, is that Green Bay is one of the very worst rush defenses in the NFL. Because you look at it and you say, well, they're allowing 139 yards a game. They've held one team, Tampa Bay, below 117. And the thing of it is, Tampa only had 34 yards. That really skews their number. In their other eight games, they're allowing over 150 yards rushing a game, which would be second worst in the NFL. I mean, they, they do not stop the run. I mean, they're almost allowing five yards an attempt. You can run the football on this defense. Oh, yeah. And so that's what the Cowboys want to do. And, uh, dude, I, I just see it as a game that uh, if they are who we think they are, they win this game, and it's uh, it's not entirely all that close. Yeah, and that's what's so interesting about this. And, and, and I mean, the, the Packers, they just don't do anything well because people, oh, they have the second-best pass defense in the NFL. Okay, yeah, statistically, they also are facing the fewest passes in the, in the NFL because nobody, yeah. you don't need to throw on them. I mean, they, they only face 26 passes a game. In today's Dude. NFL. Because why? Because you can run all over them whenever you want. Dog, that's you know, that's wild because that's right up the Cowboys alley. That's exactly <laughs> how the Cowboys like to play football these days. And they would love it if Dak could throw between 26 and 29 passes and they get out of Green Bay with a dub. I mean, it, it, yeah, I was going to say, like, if you just do averages against Green Bay and you throw it 26 times, you are, you've won this game by a couple of touchdowns. Looks looks that way. And, that, that way. and that's what's so wild about and you know you know this game is super important to McCarthy. Not that that matters. He's not on the field playing, but it just you know that subconscious you can't replicate human emotion of just like fine lining and refining the little details, just being a hair sharper for whatever reason that you can be from time to time. I, I'm like you, man. I mean, this is one of those games that barring the Cowboys helping the Packers. And again, this is a Packers team that that doesn't take the ball away. I mean, you know, they turn it over a lot and they don't take the ball away. They have eight takeaways in nine games and they've turned it over 13 times. Only five teams have more turnovers than the Packers in the NFL. And this is a Dallas team that'll take the ball away if you want them to. It's set up for the Cowboys win, man. They just got to sit there and execute and do their thing and uh, take the W and uh, get ready to head to Minnesota. But you got to show up. And you got to do all the things that winning football teams do. And if you do that, they'll win the game. Yeah, and, and again, we know that you can run on Dallas, and I expect Aaron Jones and the Packers will be able to move it a little bit on the ground. I just, based on everything we've seen, the fact that they are hurting the way that they are hurting, I mean, my God, they put up nine points against Detroit, and they just lost one of their top receivers and their best defensive player. Well, they're going down. It was 21 against Washington, 17 against Buffalo, 9 against Detroit. And the Buffalo game wasn't even all the, together all that close. Um, it was really kind of a yeah. first-half blowout, and Buffalo put it on cruise control for the second half. Um, so, you know, I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is always dangerous, but, you know, this is a game they should handle. I don't really – you know, it's funny. Earlier in the week, I was all into the Green Bay is Green Bay thing. But the more you look at it, and especially after they ended up losing to Detroit, I'm just like, 
wow, bro. Yeah, and I mean, they just, you know, they have six turnovers in their last four games. They, this, they're going to give the Cowboys some opportunities. Diggs will get a pick on someone at some point. I, I, and again, it's the NFL. You, who knows, but I, I, I've looked at this game, man, and I just do not see the Cowboys losing it. Now, maybe next week when they go on the road at Minnesota, we'll see Minnesota and Buffalo this weekend. That'll be interesting to see that one because they don't know the health of Josh Allen. Maybe Minnesota picks up a huge win on the road at Buffalo, but we'll see how the Cowboys handle that next week. But this week, I mean, I'm taking the Cowboys. I think they're favored by, I believe it's like five. I think they will cover that spread, and I'm taking the Cowboys to win this somewhere in the neighborhood 24 to 13. Oh, look at you. Um, I've, I've, I'm going up a little bit, and I'm going to show a little bit of confidence in the Cowboys, something I haven't done very much of this year. I have your Dallas Cowboys winning 27-12. to 12. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's right in the same wheelhouse. I mean, this is just, you know, the Packers don't stop anybody, and they have an offense that, believe it or not, is somehow worse than what we've seen from the Cowboys. Yeah, and they don't have any. You know, see, here's the other thing: when you've been thirteen and three each of the last three years, bro. Yeah. And you're three and six right now. You basically know the season's over, like, and I say that in terms of you could do the math and be like, man, how are we gonna get to ten? You know what I'm saying? With eight games left, how are we getting to ten? We got to win seven out of eight, and we've lost five in a row. Hey, Doc. Turk and Caicos, what you think? Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's <laughs> that's what's really nuts about this Packers team is they've lost ten games in the last three seasons combined. Right. See, that's what I'm saying. See, like if you're a young team and you're building, you know, you can still say, "Hey, we got to finish strong, get that momentum in the next year, because we're gonna get to the playoffs then and do all this other stuff." But when you've been knocking on the Super Bowl door and you have a season like this, you're just like. Doug, we ain't even going to the playoffs this year. This sucks. Yeah. And, and they and know it. You know that that's, you're not. That's, that's what I'm saying. And you're like, man, we're in Green Bay. There ain't shit to do up here. It's fucking cold. <laughs> I mean, this is a team that's 39 and 10 in the last three seasons. 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 13 and 4. I mean, the fact that they have six losses already, it's... I mean, think about that. They've lost as many games already this season as they lost in the entire 2019 and 2020 seasons combined. And it ain't like their quarterback is Dak, who's like Mr. Sunshine Pumper. Their quarterback is, yeah, we suck, man. We'll try to get better, but hey. Yeah, and and, I mean, imagine playing with that dude. I mean, he rips guys on the sideline and yells at them. And and maybe he's like this cool, chill dude that they all like, but it feels like, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers might just, this might be it for him. Unless he goes somewhere else and revitalizes his career, but I, 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 who knows, man? I don't know. He got that big ass contract, bro. Yeah, he does have that big ass contract, and I mean, I, I fully expect this to be the seven and two Dallas Cowboys headed into Minnesota the following weekend, and and that's a different game. That's a different beast against Minnesota, who is a much better team, believe it or not, than Green Bay is. Oh, you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and and so, but man, we've looked at this before. I mean, you're coming out of the bye. This was supposed to be the exciting game, and it's always fun to watch the Cowboys in Green Bay. You're going up to Lambeau. It just, man, I'm almost, it's almost unfortunate that Green Bay isn't a better team because at the beginning of the year, you looked at this game and you thought, damn, this this will probably be a team, a game between two really good teams. 
Yeah, it'd be a measuring stick game. Although I thought Green Bay would win because, you know, I thought they'd be good. Uh, just so you know, man, I went and looked it up right quick. Uh, $99 million against the cap if you cut him after this year. Yeah, so he'll be on the team <laughs> next season. $68 million if you cut him after next season. He's got three years left, my brother. Yeah, he'll be hanging around Green Bay, and, and they've got to figure out what they're going to do with Jordan Love and that whole situation of, hey, we'll just take a first-round pick and never use it. You know, it made sense at the time, bro. And then your boy went off because he had a bad year. You're yeah. like, oh, we'll get ready for him in case in case we got to replace him. But then he went out and reeled off those MVP years back to back. And so now you're just kind of stuck with Jordan Love. He's got no he's got no trade value. He hadn't played that good when when you signed. Might just call him a bust, move on, and keep it moving. Yeah, it might be just what it is, and that's part of it. It is kind of an interesting week in the NFL, though, because we don't get a lot of games. I mean, keep in mind that only five teams in the NFC have records above 500. Only six or 500. I mean, what is that? That's, what is there, 16 teams in there? So 10 of them are below 500? I mean, think about that. So you get a lot of these crappy matchups around the, the league, but you do have a couple of decent matchups this weekend. You got Minnesota and Buffalo, although if Josh Allen doesn't play, then you toss that one out the window. And then the other game of note is the Washington-Philly game on Monday night, and, and, and that's basically it. I mean, the NFL is so – I mean, look at Arizona and the Rams. You would have thought, man, Arizona and the Rams, week 10 in the NFL, that'll be they're, – they're both 3-6 and six and 3-5. and five. Uh, let me ask you this: Like the Rams, uh, they won the championship, and so it seems to me that they were all in or bust. They won it, and so you're just going to uh, you're just gonna have to deal with that if you're the Rams. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, you got your like ring. You, like, that's what I'm saying. You went all in. You sacrificed the future. You did all that stuff. And so you got the ring, so it's all good, man. Like I, I if him the Rams, I ain't even tripping. Uh, although your future's very bleak because you ain't got nothing in the future. Uh, but if you're that other team, bro, eh, I don't know. Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, that's that's very surprising, and you got to think that if they can't figure this thing out, that's it for Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, but dude, like, and I'm not saying this because he blocked me for no reason, but Kyler Murray is not that guy. Nope. You know you know what Kyler Murray is in the NFL? In the NFL, and much respect to him because he's he's doing his thing at like five nine or whatever. In the NFL, dog, he's just a novelty toy. Like, you know, you you're not interested in playing him because on a given day, he could bust your ass. But he's not going to lead anybody anywhere. Uh one, I don't think he has very many leadership skills as a um as a quarterback. He's way too sensitive. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm serious. And again, I, I'm not really. I mean, I've never even had an interaction with Kyler Murray, so it's not coming from that place. But NFL quarterbacks have thick skin. They don't really get caught up in BS and noise around them, and they just kind of ignore it all. And this dude is so sensitive, man. He's just like I would have never. I understand the situation. I'd have never gave that dude 230 million, bro, because he ain't gonna lead you to nothing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have either, but they did. And, and now this is the fourth season with them and Cliff Kingsbury. And obviously they went to the wild card last year. They were 11 and six, but they've already lost six games. They're they're three and six. So it's, they ain't going nowhere this year. No, they're not. And, and it, it I mean, what an odd division. It's obvious San Francisco is going to turn it on now. That they've got McCaffrey, assuming he stays healthy. Seattle, I, I, Seattle's one of the most surprising stories in the NFL. 
Nobody thought Geno Smith in Seattle was going to make a run in the NFC West. But, you know, again, and we've talked about this a lot so far this season, it's a really weird year in the NFL. There is one game this week, one game, the Minnesota-Buffalo game featuring two teams with winning records. Damn. The NFL is, uh, I think you kind of hit it there. It's it's interesting because everybody's got a shot, but there's there's not a lot of great football being played right now. And you know what, man? Uh, the schedule and all the stuff in the NFL is designed for it to be like this. It is, and and they finally hit the nail on the head because it's it was like this last year, and it's I mean, my God, is it like it this year? As a matter of, I mean, think about that. However many games there are in any given weekend, and I'm assuming there's four teams that have buys, I would guess. So that's 28 teams that are playing, so 14 games. One of them out of 14 has two winning teams, and only one other one is a team with the winning record and a team that's 500. That means, that means 12 <laughs> games, 12 of the games are either loser against loser or a team with the winning record against a team with the losing record. It's incredible. It's, well, see, they get stuck in that, but I think um, this is just me because we see the opposite effect in college football. Like, I think it's always better when there's some, some dynasty that you're chasing, you know, so that you're building your team you're building this to beat that juggernaut. Yeah. Because I think that makes the league exciting. And, you know, maybe Kansas City falls into that category uh, because they've been there so much lately. Uh, the Obviously, the Patriots were like that for a decade or two decades. But uh, they need some team to rise up and be that, be that team that everybody's shooting for. Yeah, I mean, that has not existed right now. No, but I think, uh, I think the Chiefs are the closest to it. Because they've really had a long, you know, stretch of success. Yeah, the Chiefs would be the closest to it, but they're not on that level. I, I, I don't know that anybody in the NFL is. And it's very, very – the parity in the NFL the last couple of years okay. is drastic. All right, do you realize how good the Chiefs have been since 2015? Just off the top of your head. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be – what is it? They've had to have won at least 10 games every year. I mean, I would imagine they've lost very few games. They've played in two Super Bowls. Yeah, bro. Like, I just took a look at it. I didn't even realize it as much as I like watching Mahomes and them. Yeah. Dude, dude, they've won 11 games in all – actually, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons. They've won at least 10 every year. They've won at least 11 in six out of seven, and they've won 12 or more. In five out of seven, which is insane. Yeah, they're on that level. It's kind of, and, that, and that's one of the things I think that everybody thought that, oh, and, and again, this just goes to show how hard it is to win Super Bowls. He's got one ring out of it. And check this out. Mahomes ain't, ain't been there for all of that. Mahomes has only been there for the last five. Yeah, people forget that Alex Smith, when they had him and they were grooming Mahomes, they were actually a good football team. Andy Reid's a damn yeah. good coach. No, Andy Reid is a great fucking coach, bro. Matter of fact, what do you think Andy Reid's – how many games over 500 do you think Andy Reid is? My God, it's got to be astronomical because he was so dominant with the Eagles. He's been so like dominant people, with the Chiefs. Yeah, like he showed up and did the same thing with the Chiefs like it ain't shit. Yeah, man, I mean, he – again, he, I, I don't know why. I've always felt he's one of the most underrated coaches in NFL history, and maybe it's just because he finally got the one ring. But he's been – I mean, how many conference championships has that guy coached in? Like eight? Dude, dude, how many games over – Andy Reid has coached uh, 377 games. Okay, so out of 377, and this is, I, I, I would guess that he, 
I'm trying to think, man, I bet he's got 200 and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like 250 and whatever. You're not off. Not by that much. He's uh he's 102 games over 500. Yeah, I mean that's two th- 239 and 137. That's amazing. With 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 16 seasons of at least 10 wins in 24 years. That's incredible. At least 10 and then he's got 1 2 3 4 5 6. He's got 8 with 12 wins or more. And still, he's only got one Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. And, and I mean, obviously, he's coached in more than the one, and he lost the other ones. But, I mean, you look at what the Chiefs are doing, and, and this is a team that has played in four consecutive AFC championships. So, yeah, I would say the Chiefs are on that level. I think everybody looks at Mahomes as the best quarterback, it, generally speaking, in the NFL. And in some seasons, like a Josh Allen has arrived, but they still haven't gotten over that hump. But even then, I mean, it is it is difficult in the NFL, and that's what makes a season like this so interesting. We saw it last year with the Bengals, who made the Super Bowl with a 10-7 and record and won three straight road games. We saw it in the NFC, where the Rams were 12-5, and a handful of 12-5 and teams. The Cowboys were 12-5, and and they just made their run. And, and it, it really feels like the NFL in the last couple of years, more so than any other year, if you just get in the playoffs, you legitimately have a chance to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's why, you know, that's why everybody's like, dude, can we just get in there? <laughs> can we just get a chance and see and see what's up? Um, and if you can, you 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 literally have a shot, bro. Um, that's why, you know, we're talking about the Cowboys this year. Yo, bro, can y'all go make it happen? And that's why I was disappointed they didn't make a move. Obviously, Odell Beckham Jr. is still out there. But I was just like, dude, this is a year. There's no great team out there. Go yeah. make it happen. Do it, man. And because if, if not now, then when? And, and who knows with the Cowboys. But it has been a wild, wild NFL season. I mean, and it's not going to stop. This is going to continue. The Jets are going to continue to beat the Bills. The, the Texans are going to rise up and surprise the hell out of a team somewhere along the way. It's just about getting in and, and figuring it out, man. Like the Rams and the Bengals did last year. I mean, people forget this. The Chiefs, four consecutive AFC title game appearances, and last year they they won in overtime against the Bills in the divisional round, and then they lost in overtime to the Bengals in the AFC title game. Dude. I mean, that's the NFL right now. It's even those teams that we put on that certain pedestal are, are just not that far ahead of everybody else. They're just not. Nah, it's, um, the NFL is so much on any given Sunday for a reason, bro. Yeah. Because all it takes is, you know, I mean, we've seen it. Weather can affect the game. I mean, there's so many ways a team that ain't supposed to win can win that um, that's why you just want to get in the hunt and see what's up. Can we make it happen if we get there? That's why. Indeed. So we'll see. We both have the Cowboys beating the Packers on Sunday as they try to notch another one on that way to a playoff appearance. 
I hope you've not yourself a bag of bruised biltong because if you haven't, now is the time to order it. This weekend, do yourself a favor, and I will tell you this. This is actually, as we approach the holiday season, show up to your family Thanksgiving with a snack for everybody. Like, hey, I know we're not about to eat the meal, but I thought we'd snack on this beforehand. It also makes great Christmas gifts. I gave a few people last year a bag of biltong because I know that they liked beef jerky. And I was like, man, you, I, I know you guys really enjoy beef jerky, but I want you to try this. Because once you do, I think you'll, it'll be hard for you to ever try beef jerky again. It's Bruce Biltong, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. If you've got a beef jerky lover in your life or you yourself love it, you got to give Biltong a try because you, you'll be like, oh my God, this, beef jerky, this is incredible. <laughs> what I love about it, bro, is because it makes my guns look so good, man. 230 <laughs> calories. 30 grams of protein in the two ounce pouch. It's the perfect snack, bro. It's the, you know, I do like to call it succulent butt strips. Mm-hmm. Now, who doesn't want some of that? That's right. Give that's it the, to me. That's, <laughs> that's the part of the animal where they take it from, then they cut it into strips. It's juicy. It's succulent. It's delicious. Hey, just, uh, you ain't even got to take our word for it. Just go to Bruce Biltong and order it. And, uh, you know, dog, thank us later. Send us a thank you note later. And don't forget, me and Matt rock with the slice Biltong, but that slab. That slab is starting to make some progress, brother. That slab is fantastic. It's Bruce Biltong at BruceBiltong.com. Similar to beef jerky, but it isn't. It's a 100% air-dried beef. It's a South South African just a concoction. It's, it's in South Africa. They all eat this, and they think we're insane for eating beef jerky. And then <laughs> once you eat this, you'll think the same thing. BruceBiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. So stock up, man. Get ready stocking stuffers and all that christmas is right around the corner also of course uh, jr and his crew at freeway tire shop i mean it does not it cannot ever become better than what you will experience customer service trust a mechanic that stands behind his work like jr does at freeway tire shop dude jr rocks man uh that's in all my cars over there doesn't matter who's driving them they if something needs to be fixed they go over there because just like your doctor, you can trust JR to handle his business, man. And here's what I'm talking about, bro. JR, you can trust him to diagnose what the heck is wrong with your car. Then you can trust my man to use quality parts to fix a car. I never really thought about that before I started talking to him. I know it's crazy, but it's true. Because he gave me a choice. He said, You want this part? He said, I would recommend this part. It costs a little bit more, but you won't have to worry about it for, you know, several years. He said, if you don't want to rock with that, you can get this part, but you might be back in a year, year and a half. I was like, who's more honest than that, bro? Take your pick and make your decision. That's why I rock with JR. Plus, dog, you can always trust him to give you a fair price, and you can trust him to stand behind his work. Hey, it's five minutes north of downtown, right off of 35 in Commonwealth. Thank us later. Just roll by. Tell them uh, your boys from Jan Session sent you, and um, you know, you'll be glad that you did. He'll get you set up. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Check them out online. You can request a quote. You can schedule an appointment at freewaytireshop.com. So let's trick around the block here. A couple of things to get into. And, you know, as many of you know, I, I read like a crazy MFR, and I have finished yet another book since we last spoke. And that is, I told you guys about the Matthew Perry memoir, and that was fascinating. I then went and got the Ralph Macchio memoir, which came out earlier this year. Really? I did because I'm a huge Karate Kid fan. 
This is true. And I love Karate Kid, and I love his new show, the Cobra Kai series. And it's really interesting because it's a lot of stuff about the Karate Kid. Like, he tells the story of his life and how impactful the Karate Kid was. And it's just, you learn a lot of stuff about the Karate Kid, about his relationship with the guy, Pat Morita, who played Mr. Miyagi, and just that time in his life, going through the sequels, how his career played out after that, and and getting back into Cobra Kai, and how that all kind of came together. And it... What uh, what was their relationship in a nutshell? Yeah, oh, they they it was very 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 good friends. And, oh, okay. Yeah, developed a very good friendship. Obviously, almost like he kind of looked at him as somewhat like a mentor because I mean, and I didn't know this because this is before my time, but that dude was on Happy Days apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was the cook. Yeah, so Ralph Macchio said, like, when they first met each other, he was irritated because he's like, oh, this guy, like, he's not going to take this role seriously, and he's, you know, he's a comedian, and he does all this stuff, and he said, you know, just walking in there, they started laying it out, and, like, immediately, they just knew. And, of course, I don't know how many people realize this, Pat Morita was nominated for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars for the original Karate Kid in his first time doing Mr. Miyagi in the first Karate Kid. Really? Yes, he got an Oscar nomination for that role. How about that? I, yeah, uh-huh. think about that. So, you know, it's just interesting. Like, he he goes through the process, like, when he first met Elizabeth Shue, who ended up playing his love interest, Allie, in the original movie. And I don't know, as a, as a huge Karate Kid fan and somebody who's seen that movie a gazillion times and a fan of the Cobra Kai series, it was it was a good read. But if you're not a fan of that, then you might – there was some – it. it it's not as riveting as Matthew Perry's struggle with drugs and stuff. Uh, I would think not. Yeah, not at all. But it's, it's for somebody like me, it was really, really cool. Highly enjoyable, and I very much enjoyed it. And then, uh, so I finished that book in like, I, I read Matthew Perry's book in two days. I read that in like three days. And now, of course, I had to make sure I finished that one in time because just a couple of days ago, it's out, it is here Desert Star, the new Renee Ballard, Harry Bosch book dropped on Tuesday, and I will finish that today. (laughs) Wow. God, I mean, it's Harry Bosch, man. You can't put these books down. I mean, it's just, you know, and my mom years ago, my mom gave me, she was like, I think you'd like this this book because she had read City of Bones which is the first Harry Bosch book that I read and I loved it so much that's when I went back and started reading the books in chronological order and I've read every single every single Harry Bosch book every single Renee Ballard book every single Mickey Holler book who's the the Lincoln lawyer I've read them all and and every time they come out man I can't wait and it's as you would expect it's the typical phenomenal Harry Bosch book oh well good you know I haven't read I probably haven't read one in a year I've been I've changed my reading. I went from reading uh, some really uh, good nonfiction. I mean, fiction, which is what you're talking about. Although I tried to read that Agent X books you talked about. I didn't really like that. I got halfway through. I I quit on it. Okay? Don't judge me, people. But I quit on it. Uh, But what I have been reading lately is, uh, you know what? Did I tell you about the book Working that I was reading by Robert Cairo? No, I don't think so. It's about Lyndon LBJ. Did I tell you about that? I don't know. Maybe you mentioned something, I think, about it because that sounds familiar, but I don't recall. All right. Well, I was. he's done like four volumes of books on LBJ. And I was reading it because I'm always trying to – I like to read about reporters. Why? Because I'm a reporter, and I have a desire to be great. Mm-hmm. And so I like to read about great reporters. And, dude, the reason why this guy is great 
is you know like you have the uh like who's biden is the president you know and i didn't realize this i mean i i kind of knew it, but i didn't really put it but you know whatever he does gets recorded any any papers he has any emails any all that stuff is recorded and printed out and put in these boxes and that's what they call the biden papers when he's no longer in office he's a president you have to imagine how many papers are associated with the president like hundreds of thousands right well this cat was going through to write this book he went through all of Lyndon lbj's papers and there was some scandal going on that nobody could ever figure out how here's the thing about Lyndon lbj do you know lbj was one of the most powerful political figures in american history he never won an election he was always appointed somewhere how about that that's true yeah so this guy was trying to figure out all of a sudden lbj got power like he just accumulated power and this guy was like how did he get this power because he's never been elected anything and so it turned out that all these people in Texas were giving him money, but they couldn't figure out why they were giving him money and they couldn't trace where the money was coming from for years. And so this guy started looking through his papers, man, and he found the answer. Check this out, Matt. In, I can't remember who, but it was somebody else's papers that he was going through. And it was a, a stray paper in that group of papers that he picked up there was a telegram that you shouldn't even see because nobody should be going through the papers that deeply. And I, he got the names off the telegram, backtracked them, and that's how he broke this. This That's how he figured out how Lyndon Bain, LBJ got all this money because people were giving him money to collect favors from other people in the government. But anyway, this book is all about why he was so anal retentive that he would go through all these papers um hmm. almost ocd like and like he spent years working on these books <laughs> like years like like his editor after the first one they didn't even give him a deadline for the second one just call us when it's done yeah um so but it's a fascinating study on what people will do when they're obsessed with doing something if that makes sense um but it was so good. I was thinking about having my uh, my kids in my class at SMU read it because he's the ultimate reporter. Like I I would never do that. That's that's too much for me. But I'm fascinated by people who can and will do that. Uh, the other book I'm reading is much more in my wheelhouse. It's called A Season in the Sun. Have you heard of that one? I have not. No. Well, it's a book about. Uh, it's the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks Super Bowl season by Lars Anderson, who, who's written a bunch of great stuff. Oh, okay, for sports, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah okay. for, for Sports Illustrated. Yep. But he's got an end with Bruce Arians. He doesn't. Which means, which means he's got the real story. And I can't tell yet if Brady talked to him or if because he had access, you know, he, just, he, he was just in on all the information whether Brady felt like talking to him or not. Because he's got all the conversations and he's got all the details of, of how he got to Tampa and how that season ended up with a Super Bowl. So it's really pretty interesting. And uh, I like these books about seasons and, and how they come about. So 
that's what I've been checking out. Yeah, that's one that I think that might be on my Amazon Kindle wish list or whatever because I know Lars. Like he li- Lars actually lives in Birmingham and does he now? He does. Yeah, and <laughs> I'll tell you. So I can't say this on the on the podcast, but. He's, right. a, he's an interesting dude. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, I've hung, I've hung out with Lars a few times. He's a good guy. All right. Shoot. Well, now we'll just finish the podcast and I'll get Matt's story done. <laughs> um, next up, I'm, uh, I'm going to check out, um, and I hope it's as good as I hope it is, is uh, Jeff Perlman's book on uh, Bo. Bo. Yeah. And I say that because, now this is just me. Jeff is a fantastic reporter. He's a cat whose books I read and I go, hey, I'll never be this good because he's relentless about interviewing and, and chasing down details. And this is what I mean. This is a good example. And I try to be like this. So he's kind of like, I try to pattern myself after him, but it's just hard, man, because you have to want it. It's like trying to pattern yourself after Kobe Bryant's work ethic. Like you could try, but I don't know if you can get there. But um, and he's told this story a couple of times since the book came out. Bo Jackson stole 90 of 91 bases as a senior in high school. What's the obvious question, Matt? The one he didn't steal. What happened? Right. Right. That's the obvious question. Yeah. I mean, literally, that's the obvious question. But so many people overlook the obvious question. But that stands out like, how the hell did he not steal the 91st one? So so your boy tracked down the catcher who threw him out. And got the story, and he tracked him down through Facebook and some other places. But that's the kind of relentless thing that, that he does, and that's why his books are so good. Here's my only hope. My only hope. Because I've read, I've read almost all of Jeff Perlman's books, because that's how good he is. Um, some of them I can't get through because the reporting is so detailed and so deep that it becomes like a Hawthorne no- novel, and it's too tedious for me. Yeah. Because he's gone so far down the rabbit hole. Uh you know, so hopefully this one moves a little faster because uh, he's a fantastic reporter. That's why that's why I love his books because he's he's just a great reporter. Yeah, did, did he did Boys Will Be Boys, right? Yeah, he he quoted your boy in that. A couple yeah, times. yeah, because I read that one man years ago and that was fantastic. And I've I've read a couple of other ones that he's done, but this um, one I might have read Gunslinger. I think that was a Brett Favre book, if I recall. Right. See, I couldn't get through. I was never a big enough Favre fan to get through Gunslinger. Although, did you hear what he said about Gunslinger? Yes, I did. I saw what Perlman said about it. Yeah. Yeah, which is basically, don't even buy the book because. He's such a bad person. I, I don't want you to. I, I feel bad that I wrote the book. Essentially, is what he said. Um, all his books about the Lakers were fantastic. The USFL book was great. Um, I'm not a steroids guy, so I didn't get into the Barry Bonds book uh, or the or the Mets book because I'm not that big a baseball guy. But uh, you know, his trick to to writing books it's not a trick. It's work work ethic. Is he gets a media guide for like a year that the guy played or maybe every year. Yeah. And he tries to and he tries to talk to every person in the media guy. Wow. Think really? About, think That's of, amazing. No. No, seriously, think about that. So, if you if you're doing a book on uh, Nick Saban, he would say, "Okay, give me the uh 2021 20, 2020 20, Alabama media guide, and I'm going to talk to everybody in this media guide." So think about it. You got all your players and all your coaches. That's all your support staff, all your athletic directors, uh, 
literally every name that's in the book because all of those people have what a different relationship with nick so their perspective on him is all different because you end up talking to the highest dude in, yeah. the, in the athletic department who whoever the ad is to the lowest person in the athletic department you know some grad assistant or some you know depending on the media guy it could be the cafeteria worker you know what i'm saying yeah makes sense yeah and so you talk to all those people and ask them all their stories or their experiences with them, and you come up with um, with amazing stories. Yeah, that book is definitely on my list. I, I added it last. As a matter of fact, that might be the next book I read, that Bo Jackson book, because the Jimmy Johnson book comes out next week, so it'll be one of those two will be the next ones up. But yeah, man, I mean, obviously Bo Jackson in Alabama is a mythical figure in I've had a couple interactions with Bo Jackson, and the first time you meet somebody like that that you had posters of on your wall as a kid can be a little surreal. <laughs> dude, dude, tell us about the Bo Jackson meeting. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he's a big Auburn guy, obviously, and so he still does stuff around Birmingham from time to time where he'll do, uh, he'll come by the station, uh, it's usually like once a year, and he promotes. I can't, he does this Bo Bikes thing where he, he does a bike ride for charity, and then he has a, a golf tournament as well. And so my, right. I, I interacted with them, like just, you know, there are a few people around at the, at the golf tournament and then he, he was up at the station once to promote this stuff. And it's, you know, you're just trying to make small chit chat, like, man, you know, that type of thing. It's always, I, he was very, very kind, you know, I mean, he's one of those people that I can't even imagine it, it's gotta be like Dion or Emmett or somebody where every, you can't go anywhere. I mean, everywhere you go, every, every single person, everywhere you go knows exactly who you are and wants to talk to you or a picture or whatever. So I always try, like, when they come into the station to at least just be a normal human being. Right. You know, but, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there are, there are certain people, generally speaking, anybody that is playing in the NFL or any sport today is, I'm like, cool. Like, even, like, our interactions with Dak, I'm like, awesome, whatever. But, man, those guys, I, and there were very few of them that I, I mean, when I was a kid growing up, every single guy that I know had the Bo Jackson poster with the bat over his shoulders and the football pads on. I mean, everybody had that poster and, and I had that poster. And so, you know, meeting, meeting a guy that you had, you had literal posters of on your wall as a 10 year old is a little surreal. Uh, no, I, I get that dog. Cause uh, you know, I felt like that with a bunch of the f old Cowboys. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that's just, that's one of those things where uh, <laughs> I tell you, man, it, it is, that's on a different level. And, <laughs> you know, it was that way because meeting Emmett for the first time got me a little bit. Troy Aikman, you know, those guys, because I, I again, I was a kid when those when that was, I was in high school and whatnot and in eighth grade right. when they were winning those. So those were guys that I had in my mind. I mean, that's that's a little different, man, when you get the chance to to go back to your hey. childhood. Hey, bro, nothing like when the, nothing like when you met Jason Witten. <laughs> I was <laughs> that was awesome god man ah uh, the j damn Jason Witten meeting where Jacques like oh yeah Matt has your jersey you're his favorite player of all time and I'm like really and this I thought he'd be I thought he'd be happy to know that <laughs> I think he just laughed he was like oh okay and I was like god damn it you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, if your uh, friends can't bust your balls, who can? Yeah, I'll tell you, man. That was, what are you going to do? But yeah, that was cool. So there's that story. All right, so here he is, a longtime Cowboys beat writer with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Clarence Hill Jr. joining us. And Chill, Jacques and I were talking about this earlier, 
as it pertains the Cowboys and the Packers, I mean, this is one of those games before the season everybody gets hyped up about, and, and now you kind of look at this, and it, it, this feels like a game the Cowboys should walk into Lambeau and, and, and take a win, don't you think? Yeah, I've been saying this all week. You know, Aaron Rodgers is no longer the big bad wolf. There's nothing can come out from under your bed, take your head out from under your covers, okay? This is not that Aaron Rodgers. These are not those Green Bay Packers. They're riding a five-game losing streak. He has no weapons. The, the best uh, off left tackle is not playing. This should not be a game you should be afraid of. This is actually should be a remember the Titans game for the Cowboys. Leave no doubt. Oh, wow. Leave okay. no doubt. Go back to 2010 when they beat you 45 to 3 or whatever it is. Got Wade Phillips fired. Leave no doubt. Go up there and hang half a hundred on you. Hang put, hang your foot in their butt. Open up a can of whoop ass. Show them you're for real. Don't give, pack, you know, do all of that. That's what you should be doing here. Oh, wow. Clarence Hill feeling very strong about the Cowboys' chances. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll ride with that. Is uh I mean, twenty one to the Packers. No, I mean, they lost they to the Lions. The Lions. They lost to the Lions. They on a five game losing streak. They got no a bye week. Cowboys coming off a bye week. Refreshed, recharged. Michael Parson with the Punicana. Hanging man, out. Man. Refreshed. Recharged. That man fired up at eight eight o'clock this morning, man. I like it. <laughs> Well, I'm mad at my, my, my daughter running late for school because she ain't out the house. Talking about she didn't oh. set her alarms. I'm already mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, now the truth comes out. Okay, I can respect that. Actually, I done uh, wrote two stories since 6 a.m., actually. Oh, one on wow. Texas, one on the Cowboys. All right. One on, uh, on Texas, TC, one on the Cowboys. I've, had it, I've done a lot before 9 a.m. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Calm down, partner. Calm down. Hey, is uh, OBJ coming to provide us entertainment at some point? You know what? I'm like, I'm at this point. It should be a headline. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Because the Cowboys are talking about it. Talking, talking, talking about it. Okay? Everybody. The owner, the head coach. I've never seen people talk about a player not on the team. Willingly talk about it. Campaigning. Recruiting. The players in the locker room, everybody, we want OBJ. We want OBJ. Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Parsons, everybody's talking about it. But yet there's been no substantive talk between the important parties, Stephen Jones and his agent. And the real issue is that everybody knows that Cowboys need help at receiver and Michael Parsons would help them. I'm not Parsons, I'm sorry. Um, OBJ would help them. The issue is that OPJ is coming off a torn ACL. Uh, he's not played all year. He wants a multi-year deal. And he don't want a multi-year deal of the Sec Wilson variety. He wants a multi-year deal of OBJ, of the Tyreek Hill variety. Okay, this might- How do oh, you I'm- get over that hurdle? Okay, well, I'm going to ask you. Who does he think he is? Meaning, does he think he Tyreek Hill or does he think he Cedric Wilson? You know he don't think he's Cedric Wilson. Okay. He just had a Just birthday three. party in, in, in Vegas with Idris Elba was there and all the Kardashian was there. He ain't Cedric Wilson. 
Well, he's, he looked like Cedric Wilson on the football field. No, no, stop it. Now you've gone too far. He does not but, look like Cedric Wilson on the football field. He I'm got just three saying. Balls on his he he got 48 but, balls. And, he got 48 balls and would have been a Super Bowl MVP last year if he doesn't tear his ACL in the game. Now, now, now you've gone too far. Well, he done tore his ACL twice, one on each leg. And he ain't paid to drop it. He ain't paid to drop in five years. That's all I'm saying. I mean, he ain't played a game this year, and he almost got as many catches as Cedric Wilson got for the Dolphins right now. Come on, man, stop it. I was talking about a contract. <laughs> Cedric Wilson contract by seven million a year. I'm cool with that. I understand, and, and it's, again, that, that's the hurdle because there's a perception and that's reality. And a lot of times, it takes the player long enough, a long time to, to get with reality. You know, the most common sense thing is you sign a one-year deal, you show people you can play, you get out of the fridge and market, and you maximize your money in the offseason once you've proven that you're healthy. Remember, he's had two two ACLs on that same leg, that same knee. You know, those are things that the teams, teams have to get over. You know, and spend it for that, a long-term deal. Yeah, dog, but the problem is there ain't that much time left in the season. There's only eight games, and if he hadn't, you know, when's he going to sign? You know, when's he going to be ready? Because he still got yeah, all of that. You know, it may be another month before he's ready to play. So we already looking right. at three or four games left. Right, and so that's why the that's why the contract thing is the issue. And how, who and, and the thing about it is, is it's not just the Cowboys that's running. The other teams that's running. You know, teams may fall off depending on um, um, where they are in the season. Obviously, he don't want to go to Green Bay now. I mean, Green Bay was an option, but why would you go there? That's just that's, that's a no win situation unless they give him Tyreek Hill money, I guess. You know, right. but but you know, you you certainly don't think that's an option to compete with the Cowboys. But there's some other teams that are competing, including Buffalo and and Baltimore and Kansas City and and, and the Giants and and somebody even said the 49ers now are are options for him uh, to to go and play. So the problem with with you saying well he doesn't deserve that contract. Well, it'd be different if you negotiate with him yourself. Now you're negotiating with other people, and the more people in that drives up the you know, that drives up the process. But again, who in their right mind, whether it's the Cowboys and other teams, and those other teams are going to give him a multi-year deal uh, to his liking? That's the question. Yeah, and it, it, who knows? We'll see if the Cowboys are able to find a way to get it done. That would be fantastic. I, I got to ask you this, Jill, because I don't know that I've ever seen this before. Obviously, they returned to practice on Wednesday, and there's some guys that were limited and did not practice, what have you, but Donovan Wilson limited tooth. I've never Hello? seen a guy on – have you ever seen a guy on a practice report listed as limited because of a tooth? <laughs> Come on, man. My dad, you know, my, my nephew's getting the oral surgery today. Getting his wisdom teeth pulled out. I mean, that, that happens. That's reality. No, I, I know. I just I've never seen I've never seen a guy listed. You know, yeah. if you had a bad you. toothache before, have you had a bad toothache before? I was gonna say I had a toothache. I'm about to cry. That thing, <laughs> that thing had my had my whole body pounding, throbbing. I was like, oh my god. So yeah, yeah I'm down with grown, the tooth. It, it, hey, it will make a grown man cry. And that orange gel don't work. Okay, that orange oh, no. gel don't work. No, nah, you need some of them prescri- some of them prescription pills that that make you sad the shakes when you stop taking them. You know, so it, it depends. I mean, if he, he could have, you know, because like, like I said, my my nephew's having wisdom, his wisdom teeth 
but uh, oral surgeon uh, removed today, and they told him not to go back to work for a week. Damn. So you don't, I mean, you know, so, you know, we don't know what happened, but yeah, toothache can, can keep you out of practice for sure. Well, I mean, when you look at some of these injuries, are they they're anticipating like Zeke and, and, and Donovan Wilson and those guys are all going to play on Sunday against the Packers? Well, I, I think that the, 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 the issue is Zeke. I think Zeke wants to play, but I think that unlike last year, Zeke and his people are open to the notion of him sitting out and, and really getting healthy. You know, he, he talked about when he it. played he, last year. Yeah, last year when he played through everything and refused to, to, to get off the field, you know, he openly talked, well, yeah, I plan on playing. But this is a this is a this is a long term decision. You know, I plan on playing in the playoffs. I want to be healthy in December. And they used to plan right now and in and, and in December in week sixteen, seventeen, eighteen not being available. And so he openly those are things that he brought up on his own. And so I think there's a real notion that even after the week off they talked about him, you know, he set out the Bears game so they had an extra week. You know, they still it's a possibility, you know, that he sits again. Now he practiced yesterday, he's probably gonna practice today. Uh but these are something that the Cowboys are thinking about. And again, a game like this, why risk him against the Packers? You should have enough to beat the Packers without Z. Not just that, but uh, for what his role is in the offense right now, Tony Pollard and uh, the other boy can handle it, I think. Malik, I mean, I just, Malik Davis. Yeah, from Florida. Um, so, yeah, I think those two can handle it. Um, hey, what did you make of uh, – and, and we'll, we'll wrap it up pretty quick today. But what did you make of Tony Pollard – Telling Skip Pete, I got no more juice at this fifty-four yard touchdown run early in the fourth quarter. Well, I mean, I, I think that don't make nothing of it. I mean, Tony Pollard knows who he is. The Cowboys know who he is. It's the fans who don't know, you know. And, and the Cowboys have been smart about how they use Tony Pollard and, and with his touches and the carries because they want the juice in his leg. They want Tony Pollard to be fresh and and, and jiggy and, and and loose, you know, throughout the game. And everybody, well, he needs to get. X amount of carries. Need to give him a full load. That's not who he is. That's not who he's ever been. You know, so give them and the Cowboys credit because it's funny because he scored that 54-yard run and it was a 14-carry the game early in the fourth quarter, 10 minutes left. He did not get another carry. That's what I'm saying. Certainly the, certainly the circumstance of the game played a role, but Malik Davis got carried. This month. He did not get another carry the entire game. You know, and so that, just, that speaks to you know, you know, again, never having character load, never, you know, not putting put that much on him, him acknowledging that I'm tired. And, and and that's why Zeke and the tandem is important. It's the Cowboys fans and media who get so crazy about Tony Pollard needs to get more than Zeke and Tony. The Cowboys have been right about how they're using both of them. They maximize both of them. And the dirty little secret is even before the game against the Bears when Zeke sat out, the numbers had been evening out. The touches had been evening out in the prior two weeks. It's truly a tandem. They're using it. It's not like Zeke is getting more of a load. They were both were evening out. And, and, and so that's been the plan. That, that was actually the plan all along, you know, since the start of training camp. You know, things, circumstances happen, you know, with the offense, with Dak, with them not getting a lot of plays and, and different things where it, it looked like it was decidedly Zeke. But that has been the plan coming into the season, and that will be the plan going forward. They're doing the right thing in how they're managing these running backs because you want Tony Pollard not just springing in the fourth quarter of games, but in the fourth quarter of the season. All right, Chill, before we let you go, 
You said you were writing a story about Texas and TCU. TCU coming in to Austin this weekend. Texas finally goes on the road, and thank God they had a 21-point halftime lead because a 14-point halftime lead, they would have blown again. But they get the win on the road. How, how do you like Texas this weekend with the Horned Frogs coming down to Austin? Well, I'm, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you a story. I'm gonna give you, you're a Texas fan, but I'm going to give you a little history. Mm-hmm. Oh, 1961, Texas was 8-0. Damn. 1961, Texas 8-0. Best team in college football, beating people by average score 33-7. TCU was 2-5. They beat Texas 6-0. They spoiled Darrell Roy's first push for a national championship in 1961. After that game, after that season, Dale Royal called TCU a bunch of cockroaches. <laughs> it's not wow. what they destroy, it's what they fall into and mess up. <laughs> okay? These are direct quotes. I'm, I'm yeah, just giving yeah. you a history. You know, this is called a cockroach. And that is part of the hate between TCU and Texas for years. You know, there are still there are people that call that one of the biggest upsets in college football history, most painful upsets in college football history back then. Well, how about this? 61 years later, almost to the week, that game happened November 18th in 1961. This game is November 12th, 2022. Texas is a cockroach to TCU's CFP host. They can fall into it and mess it up. I like it. I mean, at some point, Tech should have had them last week. Somebody's You can't keep falling behind like TCU does and just imagining that you're going to come back like they have. Yeah, but, but TCU has been resilient. resilient. They have been. Unlike, they have been. Texas, unlike Texas, they play better in the second half. They get stronger in the fourth quarter. Unlike Texas, they, they are better as the game goes on. But, yes, the this is a game, you know, and I, you know, I bring up the cockroach thing because it, it's – for you as a Texas fan, it's about Texas. It's a chance to continue the momentum. Uh, it's a chance to, to to show that they're ready to turn the corner. They're not back yet, win or lose. Right. But you know they got a lot of recruits there. You know it's it, it, it's a big push for Stark. They can get me. They they will be in the driver's seat to get to the Big Twelve Championship game and all of that. But for TCU, this is about respect. You know, even at eight and no, the national pundits, no one respected their eight and no. You know. If they win at Texas, they're seven-point underdog. They're 9-0 in the seven-point underdog at Austin. Game day's in Austin because they're ready to see Texas win. They ain't about seeing TCU. You know, they want to you see what, what Stark has and, and, and all this other stuff. This is a game is about respect for TCU, you know, and, and brand legitimacy and the opportunity to really push for the college football playoffs. And, and so all of that is on the line in addition to, again, you know, showing Texas that, you know, that they may have – some momentum for the future. So there's a lot at stake here, you know, and again, Texas can be the cockroach for TCU. I like it. Clarence Hill Jr. As always, man, we appreciate the time. All right. Now guys, appreciate you guys. And my daughter's out the door. I'm not, I almost had to get my belt out. I might have to get my belt out. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right, All right there he goes. <laughs> Oh, man, I got to tell you. He was on one today now. I tell you, he was fired up, fired up early on. Now, that's fantastic. Yeah, he was. So, And I like it. I like that, man. I mean, at some point, TCU is going to get got, and maybe this is the weekend. Texas at home, and I think that that was a huge win for them because they finally went on the road where they had struggled. I mean, Sark had been horrible on the road this under with Texas. 
they, they had lost earlier this year on the road in Lubbock. They lost in Stillwater, and K-State was trying to, to take that one away from them last week. That's a big win for a young team. We'll see. TCU, like, like Chill said, TCU's been so resilient. But, man, they've got five straight wins by 10 points or less. And I, I believe it's in four of those five they have been behind at some point in the second half. I mean, hell, last week against Tech, they were down going into the fourth quarter and found a way to come back and, and beat Texas Tech, who's not any good. I think they're, you know, learn, winning can be a process. I think they're on the right path. Uh, they're starting to get talent. They're starting to figure out how to win. Um, and, and they got the quarterback situation solved. Uh, Ewers uh, for this year, next year, then, uh, you know, Arch Manning for yeah. a couple years after that. And by then, I think this is the beginning of the dynasty or the, the beginning of them being relevant in college football again. Uh, because if you got yours and you got Arch Manning and they play well, then I guarantee you, you'll be adding, you'll have a room full of five-star quarterbacks and every year just be like, well, which one's going to win the job and who's going to transfer? And that to me is what you want because you can recruit to the quarterback all the time. And as long as you got the quarterback, you can recruit and you can have success. We'll see another fun weekend. Uh, are you going to Jackson this weekend? Where are you at? I'm in Jackson right now. Okay. Headed to uh, Montgomery, no, Mobile, Alabama Friday because they play Alabama A&M Saturday in some kind of classic. All right. Yeah, there you go. Mobile, you can go visit the battleship. Hell yeah, they're staying at the Battleship Renaissance. Yeah, that's pretty so, cool. Yeah. Did you know that Mobile is the original location of where Mardi Gras started? No, I did not. Well, now you do, and so there's that. <laughs> I'm going to Oxford, Mississippi this weekend. We are going to go and take in the Alabama and Ole Miss game at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford with the lady fiance's dad and my brother. Chris is flying into town, and he's going to come with us because he's never been to Oxford, never been to an Ole Miss game. So, My man, Chris. The world traveler, one of my favorite people. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to the weekend. I hope everybody enjoys their weekend. And, of course, we'll be back for you. Our thoughts after the Cowboys and Packers. So be looking forward to that. Have a great one. And we will talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.